It's a Thursday crossover, and the 49ers are facing the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 9, which means we are talking with Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars today. Who are these Jags under new head coach Urban Meyer? And Croc and I will get into just how much money Debo Samuel is making right now on his next contract. Coming up on this episode of Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up with a crossover edition? This is Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars, and I'm joined by the fellas from the 49ers, Peacock and Crockett. How about that? Is that is that a crocker, rather? Is that how you say it, man? I want to make sure I get everything right. Eric Crocker, uh, big dude, man. I thought I was the bully of uh, Locked On until Crocker came around. Then all of a sudden, man, I had to step aside because he took on the whole Philly Boobirds up there. And my man, Brian <laughs> Keeka. What's going on with y'all, man? Y'all good? Oh, fantastic. Yes, yeah, sir. big win for the 49ers. So uh, pumped here and uh, ready for a cross-country trip, too. Jacksonville. It's going to be an interesting one. Hopefully not a letdown game for those 49ers. No doubt about it. I have to remind you guys that this episode of this crossover edition of Locked On Jaguars and Locked On 49ers is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty and affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. So we give a big thanks to McDonald's. Let's get right into it, man. Let's not bury the lead. Let's not get around it. 49ers coming off of a huge victory. The Jaguars playing better, but still uh, not quite there. Do you guys vision, envision this as sort of a trap game? No. Well, the 49ers aren't good enough to call any game a trap game. Now, I do think when you looked at this game before the season started, you would assume, oh, okay, you look at Jacksonville Jaguars, they're rebuilding, you know, a whole new coaching staff, young rookie quarterback. That's a game the 49ers should win. Now, I think people are still viewing it that way now, but – the 49ers aren't the 49ers team we were expecting to be coming into this season. So trap game, I wouldn't go that far, but I do think that this is a game right. that most people, uh, you know, expect the 49ers to win and win handily, especially when you look at the uh, the the line right now. Last time I checked, it was like, you know, six and a half in favor of the 49ers. I will say it's the exact wrong time for a team to want to play the 49ers because they think they found a little bit of their mojo this week and they had a closed-door meeting, we found out, with some key veteran players and Jimmy Ward and Eric Armstead and Fred Warner. And um, they're not the type of crew to be in each other's faces and, and you know grabbing helmets and grabbing face masks and, and yelling at each other's faces, but this closed-door meeting seemed to do something. And uh, they came out with a lot more vigor against the – Los Angeles Rams, It's in, in the team that had lacked an identity all season long, seems like they did find something on Monday Night Football, which is probably bad news for the Jaguars and the rest of the 49ers schedule. Well, I, I'll give you a heads up right now. It's bad news for the Jaguars because of two things. Uh, one, they really do a lot of good things scheme-wise. Assembly, every time the Jaguars played the 49ers, like when they were good in 2017, they came out and got schemed up by Shanahan. The other thing is they have a, a, a form of kryptonite for the Jaguars, and what that is is a tight end. Tight ends have killed this team through the years and through this year, and specifically uh, the teams that they've beaten, the two teams that they've beaten. Mike Jacecki actually got off when they played the Dolphins, and the Jags still had a successful game, but uh, Knox was out when they beat Buffalo. And I think I go back and look, and that was the key to the game. You guys getting George Kittle back healthy and them figuring out how to use Debo the proper way with uh, Garoppolo, it really protects him, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and he's got a couple of security blankets there, Garoppolo does, and those two guys who do so much for him after the catch and do a ton of work. My question for you with that, 
Tony, would be when it comes to the Jacksonville defense. Like Miles Jack, really athletic player. Caleb on Chase on a really athletic linebacker. Um, is it the safeties? Is, is it a linebacker problem? Is it a scheme problem? Why has the middle of the field been a problem for the Jaguars? Um, that, that's a very, very good question. A lot of things were a problem for a while with them. So they, they seemingly got it fixed with the exception of the game that they played a few weeks back in, in the great Northwest against Seattle, but they played really well and they beat the dolphins. Then they had a clunker against Seattle. They held Josh Allen and Buffalo to six points. And then last week they played extremely well again and almost won that game after getting off to a slow start offensively against Carson Wentz and the Colts. We just they haven't had an identity that you can really put a finger on it, but I tell you who has played well, Josh Allen. And this is gonna be funny to you guys. Uh Josh was uh he, he was non-existent, and I tweeted out, and you guys told me he was better than Joey Bosa two years ago. <laughs> and, and, I mean Nick Bosa. And all of a sudden I got into a, an argument on Twitter with a couple of people, and since then, I still don't think he's better than Nick Bosa, but since then he has played lights out and he's looked like the Josh Allen who deserved to be the seventh overall pick. He's a monster right now. I really liked Josh Allen coming out in the draft, and, and Croc, I think you did too. And there was some arguments on 49ers Twitter for sure, and there was a big group of Josh. That was a Josh, heated one. Yeah, there was a big group of Josh Allen fans that thought maybe he was better than Nick Bosa. And it was like, no, I bet 31 teams, aside from the Arizona Cardinals who drafted Kyler Murray, would take Nick Bosa at the number two spot if they were the 49ers. Like That was one of the easier picks we've seen in a while in the NFL draft. And there wasn't even another quarterback to take there for a quarterback needy team. Like it was Nick Bosa. Clearly, that's the guy you take. And I like Josh Allen a lot, and I still do. And maybe there's more there for him. But I was actually surprised how, like you, surprised how little he had done early on in his career. Because I thought he was going to be a problem in the league. First year, he had ten and a half sacks, mm -hmm. but he also had Ngakwe and, and uh, uh, big kid uh, Calais Campbell. Calais, yeah, yeah, I always do that. This time of night, man, I, my memory goes <laughs> blank. But Calais Campbell and Ngakwe on the other side. We have another rookie here, and I'm glad Eric's on because him and uh, I try to ask Will Blackman all the time. He don't, doesn't answer me, but uh, DBs. We have a, a rookie DB in in Tyson Campbell. I wanted them to take Asante Samuel. Urban and the crew here go for size. They they have an athletic profile of guys, which I think if they keep doing that, at some point it's going to get them in trouble because you're going to pass good players. But Tyson Campbell is big and physical, can run like the wind, has a problem finding the ball when it's in the air and locating that. Give me your expertise, Croc, and tell me why is that that way for some guys? He's a five-star recruit, big, physical, can run. It just seems like when the ball goes in the air, he starts to look like a dog chasing an ice cream truck. So why is it like that, and can it be fixed? And, and what is it about some guys that have that trait? That's why he's not well, a right no, receiver, was... right, Croc? <laughs> no, I hate when people say that. Uh, Tyson Campbell – Actually, um, you know, funny little backstory real quick. You know, he was a guy at, uh, was it Heritage High School out in Florida. He was in the same secondary as Patrick Sertan. Uh, it was him, Patrick Sertan, Marco Wilson, who's starting for Arizona, and, uh, gosh, uh, Anthony Schwartz. He's a receiver in the NFL now, just was drafted, I believe, by the Browns. But they were the starting secondary at high school all at the same time. Uh, Tyson Campbell at, in college at, at Georgia was one of the most technically sound corners I've seen. Matter of fact, uh, between him and Patrick Sertan, they were the two best corners at the line of scrimmage with, you know, being patient, trusting their speed, trusting their technique, and using their length. I thought they did a tremendous job at that. If there was one area where Tyson Campbell struggled, it was at the catch point. We saw it multiple times against Florida. And you, you can say, well, you know, it was 
Kyle Pitts and it was Grimes, you know, and they went up top on him. But there were other games as well where I'd see just at the catch point for whatever reason, he'd be in good position, but then just struggle to make the play. And I haven't watched him as much in the NFL. You know, Jaguars haven't been this team just on national television every week. But if you're telling me that's something that he's still kind of consistently struggling with, it's 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 weird. But I guess understanding, I, I those are things that you just have to continue to rep and figure out how he can get in better positions sooner to find the ball, but right now it seems like that's something that he's having a tough time with. One thing I'll say before we step aside, the last two weeks he's played well, and what Joe Cullen and the crew have done is, and it's probably been because they haven't played a bunch of running quarterbacks. Usually, I learned this from my man, Corndog, Michael Cornegay. He told me, you're going to play man-to-man, but the problem with playing man-to-man is if it's scrambling quarterbacks, you, your back's to him, right? So Campbell's having a problem finding the ball. They've almost played like a man off now, where he's close enough, he's not bailing, but he sees ball all the time, and the last two weeks he's actually played well. They haven't really caught him with his back to the to the quarterback because the pass rush has been working. So maybe that's uh, something that we'll look forward to. All right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to let these guys grill me here in just a second here on a crossover edition before uh, we turn it over uh, to them. I got to let you guys know about the Get Upside app. The Get Upside app is the absolute truth because you can save up to 25 cents per gallon every time you use this app. So you download the app in the Play Store or Google Play. And what happens is you put in a promo code touchdown. Once you put the promo code in, guess what happens? You can immediately start saving up to 25 cents per gallon on your fill-ups. Now, that first time you fill up, you're going to get an additional 25 cents per gallon. So that could be 50 cents per gallon on your first fill up. No need to stop uh, stop trying to save money. Start saving money on your gas right now with GetUpside. Get the GetUpside app and please use the promo code locked on. I'm sorry, touchdown. The promo code is touchdown, my bad. And you will get your gas and start saving on that immediately. I also have to let you guys know about McDonald's. Since 1965, now guarantee, that's four years before I was born, and I know I'm telling on myself. They have been a staple in the community. I lived right behind one when I was in high school, and that was basically the meeting place for me and my friends. I love the fact that I now have a granddaughter, and I do the same thing with her that I did back then with my friends, and it's just that the quality has not changed at all. They have the greatest fries in the world. So this episode is brought to you by McDonald's, and I'm telling you, Right now, make sure that you use that unofficial community center and share with your family and friends all of the good, affordable food, as well as some good times at your friendly neighborhood McDonald's. And I got you got to let you know I'm loving it. All right, fellas, there you go. I'm singing, doing jingles and all of that stuff, trying to get through it. So (laughs) you don't expect I, I do think while Eric said that there can't be a surprise for a team that's been inconsistent, they either have the Rams number or they look like a different team and look like one of those teams that's ready to, to try to do something. The interesting thing with the 49ers is they have the talent. Like they, they don't have like bad players. And I think that was the thing that was most concerning for not just myself, but Peacock and fans as well. Couldn't quite put our finger on what was going on with the 49ers. You know, when you watch the team, it's not a team that lacks talent or it lacks, I guess maybe coaching is the, the issue because they have all the talent, but you know, Got you got the weapons all over the place, whether it's Debo, Kittle, you mentioned those guys, the running back Elijah Mitchell, he's running well. Jimmy Garoppolo, this is like his eighth season in the NFL. Uh defensively, they have guys that make plays. You mentioned Bosa, they got all pro Fred Warner, you got Jimmy Ward, but for whatever reason, 
weren't getting the results that they wanted. So everything came together just perfectly against the Rams. I think the issue is, can you count on the 49ers to have that type of game again? You know, they got they forced two turnovers on the first two drives. 49ers haven't been able to take the ball away all season. You know, the 49ers have kind of bit themselves in the butt with a bunch of penalties. I believe, I mean, shoot, I don't know if they had more than three penalties in that entire game. So everything that the 49ers needed to go right to be able to beat a team like the Rams, they had that happen. I don't know how consistent they'll be able to be with that. And that's one thing that I know myself, people that cover the 49ers and the fans are looking forward to seeing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Can they stack together uh, back-to-back good games? I want to uh, talk a little bit about a subject that we actually covered on the Peacock and Williamson NFL show on mm-hmm. Wednesday, and that was the rookie quarterbacks. And we sort of went back and re-ranked them and you know, regraded and, and sort of redrafted how we thought we would take these quarterbacks now after we've seen them for half a season as pros. And we haven't had a chance to see a lot of Trey Lance. Uh, kind of hoped earlier on in the season this game in the schedule would be a fun one to say, okay, we get the rookie QBs. We get one and three. We get Trevor Lawrence versus Trey Lance. It's not going to happen. Maybe get a little Trey Lance on the field, but um, it seems unlikely the way things are going right now. But talk to us about Trevor Lawrence. He's got the lowest PFF grade of all five of those uh, first-round quarterbacks and then uh, and thrown in Davis Mills too. And so uh, I'm wondering what's going on with Trevor Lawrence why has there not been more wow plays, even if there's been inconsistencies? And you would expect a rookie quarterback to be inconsistent and have good plays, have bad plays. I haven't seen as much wow as I expected from Trevor Lawrence. And there are some weapons there, too. And so um, what's going on with Trevor Lawrence? How has he looked for you during his rookie season? I've seen a lot of quarterbacks coming here. I saw Blaine Gabbert. I saw Blake Bortles. So you almost know what a kind of a bust looks like when you see it. That's not it. Yeah. This dude is he's playing a little hero ball right now. He's trying to will the team. Uh, he's trying to uh, make some throws. They, he takes a lot of shots down the field. He wants to make plays. He, he you know, so I'd rather him not be captain check down and, and actually try to do some things and makes him down the field, back shoulder throw, because every now and then he makes one and you go, oh, my God. And it's everything you ever thought about. But sometimes it gets to a little bit of a funk. And what happens is in those games where they get behind, the Jaguars can actually run the ball really well. Early in the season, they weren't trying to run it when they should have been running it. Then when they got the run going, teams were just scoring on them and the defense wasn't playing. So now you see him trying to play hero ball and do the things that a guy like him has always been able to do. He's really, really not as bad as those stats say. And when when you look at the 49ers offense and you see how Kyle Shanahan's utilizing Debo Samuel, don't you look at the Jaguars offense and say, man, why, why can't we be doing that with LaVisca Chenault? I tweeted it the other night. Everyone wants to make the connection between Cordell Patterson and Chenault. And I said Patterson's different because he's faster. And he was faster from the time. He's probably been faster than Chenault since he was in middle school, right? The thing is, is Debo's the guy that, that you can scheme and do some things and move them around. It just seems like Chenault isn't as good as everybody thought. And what happened is DJ Chark went down. They actually drafted Travis Etienne to be sort of a guy that does some Alvin Kamara things and he's not there. So what they have is they have a bunch of guys they can't separate. Their, 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 their best separator is Jamal Agnew, who's a cornerback three years ago and he's a kick returner. So they just DJ Chark was the fastest guy. He was the sort of like the Alvin Harper type. Like he doesn't do a whole bunch of things great, but he can do that nine route and that post route really well. Well, he's out for the year with a dislocated ankle. And now you have Marvin Jones Jr., who on a good team should be a solid veteran pass catcher at, at the number three spot. 
that, you know, that just that pros pro. Well, now he's forced to be more than that. And it's just not working. And then they, they went on the waiver wire and got a tight end in Dan Arnold. And uh, it's worked out OK, but they just didn't have a tight end on the roster who could really help Trevor out and be his dump off buddy. It's just it, that it's more or less it's been scheme and trying to it seems like Daryl Bevel has been really trying to satisfy Urban Meyer and implement some of his college stuff. And he's probably better off being left alone. What do we know about the C.J. Henderson trade? Was there any news after the fact and, and maybe stuff leaked out? Because that seemed very quick quick to give up on a guy, and then you're spending other draft picks on corners. And was he really that bad? Did they just not like the personalities? What's going on there? They didn't draft him. And uh, CJ, I, I, I really, I'm a pro players guy. I want guys to get their money, and I hate bad narratives being put out about people. One thing I don't like is when someone says somebody has a character issue. A character issue means you're fighting in the club and you're stabbing people and you, you know, I don't think having a different personality is a bad character. I don't think uh, a guy has bad character because he's yoked differently. I don't think he has bad character because uh, allegedly he may have what they classify as some mental health issues. And uh, he's just built differently, man. And Urban Meyer wants that fire and brimstone. I think he'd be better off with Percy Harvin knocking somebody out in practice or attempt or the late great Aaron Hernandez around here allegedly killing people as long as he shows up and he plays football as opposed to being a guy you have to go wake up and say, come on, man, let's get it together. Some coaches just don't respond to guys like that, and that's the kind of guy CJ is. He's like, all right, you know, it's it's whatever. He might be satisfied knowing he's as good as anybody, but he don't give a damn about proving it. I know what you're saying, though. I, I, I work with an oddball personality in Eric Crocker every day. So I know what it's like to have to try to put up with something like that. Uh, but, but you have to because of the talent, right? Yeah. No, man. No, man. Croc, Croc impressed me because I've been uh, to Philly. He impressed me. Croc was in there going, going, you standing up to people is whatever is whatever. I'm like, I used to be bad too, man, but I ain't got time for all of that stuff these days. I'm not bad. It's just, you know, I am from Stockton, California. So what they were doing was, I felt like they were trying me, you know, it was like fans, right? It was like people in, in my comments and mentions, cause we went to the Rocky statue, took a picture and all of a sudden people just started telling me what everybody's going to do to me. Oh, if you do that at the stadium, they're going to do this to you, do that to you. Okay. That's what they're going to do. Okay. Well, we're going to have to find out then. And it's going to go one way or another. And I got my partner in crime with me. So we're going to find out. So that's what that was. I, I never go anywhere as like a troublemaker or anything like that, but you know, I felt, I don't know. I felt a little, like, like it was almost like a challenge or something. So I had, you know, I had to see. And everything went smooth. <laughs> all right, man. Hey, man, it's been fun, man. It's really, really been fun. We thank you all for making this your, our, your first listen. It's the first time I actually I talked to uh, Peacock before. I, it's my first time ever with Eric. So uh, we got to do this more often. I got to remind you, though, Peacock, you're going to love this because you're going to hear what I do every day. Your second listen should be the Peacock and Williamson podcast because Brian Peacock is a great NFL analyst and Matt Williamson is a former NFL scout. And what they do, they come together on what is the flagship show of the Locked On NFL Network, and they give it to you like you can't get it. So make sure you like, subscribe, follow on that free platform, just like this was a free platform. See, I say that every day, man. I say that every day, and you got it live, Peacock. How about that? I love it. It sounds so good to my ears, and I appreciate the plug, man. And I always appreciate chatting with you, too. It's always fun talking ball. Yeah, fun talking with you guys. I'll see you guys on Twitter. And uh, once again, thanks for joining us on this crossover. What have you learned through the first half of the NFL season? You want to put that knowledge to use? Maybe make a little cash on the side? Well, 
BetOnline.ag is the perfect place to do it. New updated site and interface. More odds, props, contests than ever before. BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. And you can bet on other things as well. We've got baseball playoffs going on. Basketball, hockey, boxing, your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. And you can get a special bump with 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on. So go head over to your mobile device, website, desktop computer. You can access betonline.ag however you want. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. Good stuff chatting with Tony Wiggins of Locked On Jaguars there. Getting pumped for this week 11 game. The short week sneaking up fast. The Jacksonville Jaguars cross-country trip. It just it feels like we'll make our predictions crock on tomorrow's show, but it feels like a game the 49ers got to win. They're, they're almost in what must-win mode now continually. But, you know, you beat a good team, now you can't fall back just because it's a cross-country trip and, and lose to a bad team, right, in the Jacksonville Jaguars, a two-win team like Jacksonville. Really quick, here is the injury report before we talk a little bit about Debo and what kind of salary he could be commanding here because it's fascinating to me and it's a little bit scary, actually, thinking about the numbers at wide receiver <laughs> for what Debo could make if he continues to do what he's doing this year. Um, injury report for... The 49ers practice Wednesday, and it's looking like Dre Greenlaw and Jaquaski Tart running around pretty well. Their practice windows are open. They could be coming back this week. Maybe they're not ready, and it'll be next week or something like that. But when you see guys out and, and moving pretty quickly, and they're not full participants or anything, but um, all reports are moving around well, we could get those guys back in uniform for the 49ers. Uh, Jamichael Hasty did not participate in practice with an ankle injury. Maurice Hurst still out with a calf. Elijah Mitchell, rib and finger injuries, keeping him out of practice, still up in the air to be able to play this weekend after getting a pin in his finger. Uh, Trent Williams just getting a veteran rest day on Wednesday, which is smart for some of those veterans, especially on a short week. Then limited in practice, Jalen Moore, who looked pretty good at right tackle in the in the short time he was in there after getting the start. Uh, Josh Norman still dealing with ribs. He was limited, and Debo was limited with a shin injury. Doesn't sound like that's serious, but I haven't heard anything else on it, so we'll see if that sneaks up on on Debo for uh, this Jacksonville Jaguars game. But speaking of Debo, Croc, and I know you talked about this on uh, your morning show on YouTube, so we don't have to cover it entirely in case there's folks that listen to both shows, and I hope you do. $21 million? Is that what you're talking about? It sounds like crazy talk. Where'd you get this $21 million number, Croc? That is the minimum, right? I think when Ooh. you look into it, it, obviously, first of all, let's talk about Debo Samuel and the seasons he's, he's having. I think it's kind of getting overshadowed a little bit by what's going on that you know with the quarterback position. Obviously, the 49ers not doing as well as they would have liked. But in the process of all that, you have Debo Samuel, who is you know 20 yards away from having a 1,000-yard season. And one thing that has kind of eluded 49ers receivers since 2014, Anquan Bowden, he did it back-to-back years. Yeah, Crabtree go for a thousand, and then before that, you had uh, Terrell Owens do it in two thousand three. So we're talking about three one thousand yard seasons from receivers, or four, excuse me, since two thousand three. And now you have a guy like Debo Samuel. You're gonna have to figure out when do we pay him. And there are a lot of different things that go into this because one, again, having he's having a great season right now. Do you pay him this offseason? I'm gonna get your your thoughts on this. 
do you pay Debo this offseason, right? And just say, all right, we're just going to get it out the way. We know that the salary cap is going to, uh, you know, shoot up uh, fairly soon. Or do you say, you know what? One year isn't good enough. We need to see you do it again. Now, if you do it again, you wait for guys like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. They might have signed their new contracts. The money goes up. Right now, the franchise tag number is around roughly a little bit over $21 million. So if you want a franchise tag at that time, it's only going to be higher because DK, AJ Brown, those guys being paid. And then also you have Debo Samuel, who's getting a little bit more up there in age. So what do you think is the best way to go about it? Because if you wait too long, it might be a situation like what the Cowboys had with Dak Prescott. Could have gotten away with paying him $33 million or so, which was still a lot at that time. Had to end up paying him over $40 million a year. Do you want that same situation with Debo Samuel? Uh, numerous thoughts on this situation with Debo. First of all, he's got to continue to do it all year before we start, start talking crazy money. He's done it nine weeks, although he's put up a year's worth of stats in nine weeks compared to other <laughs> past wide receivers for the 49ers. So he can stop right now and look pretty good this year. But you're right, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, this really screws up everything. He's making $27.25 million this year. Um, Julio Jones, 22. Keenan Allen's making 20. Mark Cooper, 20 mil. Uh, Michael Thomas, 19 mil. So, yeah, $21.6 million is the average of the top five, and that's how they find out how much you're going to make on your one-year uh, franchise tag if the 49ers wanted to do that, and that number could go up by the time you're at 2023. A lot of big contracts could come up with the, the salary cap jumping up in that 2023 season. But I think you got to play it out if you're the 49ers, or at least you try to do a team-friendly contract this offseason. George Kittle's only making $15 million a year. Like, can you really a quarter of that more for Debo Samuel after this one breakout season? But I mean, it's a it's a massive season. Um, you you got to try to you got to try to talk contract with Debo this offseason. You got to and, and see if you can get a sweetheart deal. See if you can get a team friendly deal. If you can, you do a deal. And if you can't, I think you got to play it out because there could be injuries. Uh, you got to make a prove you can do it another year because if you're already paying top of the market money, uh, I would rather gamble and pay twenty two and a half instead of twenty one and a half next year, but potentially save a lot of money on that. You know, if I'm the 49ers. Yeah. so and then you could still go to the franchise tag the following year in twenty twenty three, and then talk free agency in twenty twenty four. So if you're going to pay top of the market money, then you can wait, and that's the way I look at it. And then I would I, argue that. If you're talking contract, and this is where you try to get it done this offseason, it's like, look, you had one good season, but these guys are veterans that have been doing it for a long time that got these big paydays. You aren't going to make that much money on the open market. So we should actually be talking about what Allen Robinson and Tyler Lockett are making and Kenny Galladay are making, $17, $18 million. That would be the deal I'd be trying to get done if I was the 49ers front office. Would Debo take that? I have no idea. But that's what I would be trying to do this offseason. Well, I think the way I kind of look at it is, would you take it? Yes. I mean, if you were Debo Samuel and you're just <laughs> oh, coming off of a 1,600-yard season or whatever he ends up with this year, right? You're coming off a 1,600-yard, and they want to try to offer you this $17 million a year. Would you, you're Debo Samuel now, would you take $17 million when you see what the market is for other guys? And would you wait to see what A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf get paid and Terry McLaurin? I mean, Brian Peacock would take Kendrick Bourne money. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. um, and I'd be okay with that. Uh, but no, and I would understand if Debo didn't want to take that. It, it, it just depends on how hard he wants to play ball. If he's looking to actually hit the free agent market and he wants to test that. Here's the other thing is 
wouldn't would teams want to sign Debo over those other guys that are free agents? Let's say you're a free agent, would you be signed over those guys too? Um, but that's here. This, this is where this is where my mind instantly goes. So the 49ers just force feed George Kittle. He has this big year. He's your number one receiver at tight end, and he gets paid all the money. And then you start stop throwing him the ball. You have this rookie wide receiver in uh, in in Terry in um, in Brandon Ayuk, and you have George Kittle, and you're force feeding Debo Samuel. Why don't you spread the ball around a little bit? You don't have to pay one guy all of your money. They're going to pay him twenty one million dollars, and I know this is going to happen. They're going to pay him twenty one million dollars a year in the offseason, and then guess what? It's Brandon Ayuk's turn. They're going to start throwing the ball to him, and guess what? Now he needs to be paid. So um, if you spread the ball around a little bit, then maybe you don't have to pay everybody top-of-the-market money, but it's really odd the way the 49ers roster has gone where they get these players at positions that all of a sudden are going to command top-of-the-market money at their position group. And it's like, oh, my gosh, where you know why is it happening like this for the 49ers? It seems like really odd roster construction, right? When you start looking at the contracts, they've got to divvy out. Then every player around the league wants to, I think, to be honest with you, the wide receiver market's broken money-wise because you can find wide receivers right now. There's a ton yeah. of good wide receivers in the league. You don't need to be paying one wide receiver $27 million. I think that's crazy, well, actually. But you also can't let Debo walk if he's playing like this. So put the Niners in a pretty bad spot. Yeah, because you can't just assume that the 49ers can find another Debo Samuel. You know, they, they haven't gotten this type of production out of any receiver since, I mean, it's four times it's happened since 2003 and they ain't even those seasons weren't even like what Debo's doing right now and how he's kind of I mean he's your everything he's your around uh, around the line of scrimmage guy he's your vertical guy he's your run after catch guy he is doing everything and I think he's kind of rewriting how we view a wide receiver one that's kind of the pushback I got I think people when they think wide receiver one they think of the DeAndre Hopkins the Devontae Adams and all these other guys and Debo's like wait wait a minute I don't care how they're winning. This is how I win. And Kyle Shanahan truly understands how he wins. And he's doing it at such an elite level. It's like, it's just a different way. It just looks different. But you're getting better production than everybody else that you think are more prototypical wide receiver ones. So Debo slightly older as a prospect coming out. He'll be a 27-year-old free agent after the 2022 season. And then they could franchise tag him after that. Doing a deal early, would that allow him to take a little bit less? Would looking at Debo and the style of player he is, the way he wins, do you think, Croc, that maybe that type of player, that ability wanes earlier? So if you sign him to a four or five year contract, if he's 30, 31, is he still going to be moving like that? He's still going to be making plays after the catch if he's not that just like, um, you know, picture perfect route runner and and win in a certain way as a wide receiver that could maybe age better? Does that worry you, giving a long-term deal to a player like Debo with the way he wears and tears on his body? So those types of things would also start to worry me a little bit if I was the 49ers trying to pay him some of the money he might be asking as a free agent it, in, in 2022, 2023. Essentially, he turns into Anquan Bolden, right? Because, I mean, Anquan Bolden... Power player. And he was back-to-back 1,000-yard you know, receiver for the 49ers. It wasn't just this, you know, creating a bunch of separation, having vertical speed or any of that. It was just, I'm going to throw it to him. I mean, he's just going to catch it, even though he got guys hanging all over him. He's a bull. And he was still, you know, it, you know. I, there's one play that's just always in my mind where somehow Anquan Bolden caught like a 70-yard pass. Like, he like caught it and then just 
I don't know what, like, he just outran everybody. I don't know. It was so weird because it's like, this guy is not fast. And, you know, I'm really tight with my guy, Lavelle Hawkins. Shout out to my guy, Lavelle. Uh, this is actually the sweater for his uh, sports performance facility out there in Stockton, California. But Lavelle was with the 49ers. And he was just like, bro, I'm, I'm watching the Anquan Bolden. Like, <laughs> how is this guy good? <laughs> he's watching him <laughs> at practice. And he's like, what the heck? Like, he's, But, you know, like somehow Anquan was still able to be productive. Yeah, and he wasn't fast to start with. And so those 2,000-yard seasons that Anquan Bolden had for the 49ers, 2013, 2014, he was aged 33 and 34 in those years. So you know he wasn't running by anybody at that point. I remember a story from a scout, and I wish I remember who told the story, but somebody said they were at his pro day, I think it was, and they weren't watching, and they weren't the one timing Anquan Bolden when he was running his 40s, but all the players were running their 40s. And when Anquan Bolden ran, the scout turned around to see who it was because he said he could hear Anquan Bolden run his 40 like nobody he'd ever heard before. He said it sounded like a horse with how loud his feet were hitting the ground as he ran his 40. He said it was just such a, a completely different beast. Yeah, powerful, powerful. And Debo He's got kind that, of following some those type of footsteps right now clearly has much more speed than Anquan Bolden ever did. Yes. And, I mean, we see his – I mean, how is Debo Samuel averaging, like, 18, 19 yards per catch right now? Like, it's really – he's really having an incredible season. In fact, speaking of Kendrick Bourne, I saw a stat today that if you only counted Debo's yards after the catch, he would be 30 – something like 30, 34th in the league in receiving yards just from his yak yards, which is right about where um, where Kendrick Bourne is in receiving yards this season, like around 500 <laughs> yards. It's crazy. crazy. No, that's crazy. That's wild. Yeah, so got to pay Debo. There's a lot of players to play this co- the players to pay this coming offseason. They have a ton of free agents. The cap is rising in 2023. You can start pushing some money off. So it's something the 49ers can do, but it's a really interesting one because it's, it's a one-year situation, and what a year he's having. What can the 49ers afford to pay him? What would he command? Can you get a little bit less? Because you're trying to do it a little bit early. A lot of good questions there when it comes to Debo's next contract. Yeah, and 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 the last thing I want to say on it, he's been the guy who they've had to get on about, you know, being in shape, staying in shape, those type of things. Yeah. And those are the worst guys to pay money to because it's like, what is Debo going to do when he gets $120 million? Yeah, and he's know? a like, thick guy. That could go quickly in your 30s. That's, uh, yeah, he gets all that money. He's like, oh, yeah. No, it, 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 it could go bad. And I could see Debo being the style of player that, that doesn't age particularly well, but he's playing so darn good right now. You can't imagine good. not my having favorite him on the player. My, my, he's my brother's. He's like my brother's favorite player in the NFL, and my brother's a diehard Cowboy fan. They got C.D. Lamb. He loves Debo Samuel. I've never heard anybody say anything that's a football fan bad about Debo. Everyone loves Debo. How can you not love Debo? Yep. All right. Debo love. Let's get that guy some money. If there's no salary cap, I mean, give him all the money. Who cares, right? But uh, you start to get a little bit worried with a lot of the the payments the 49ers are making to some star players, a lot of uh, free agents to come, and no first-round picks to supplement some high-level uh, talent there on the 49ers roster either. So it's going to be an interesting one when it comes to the offseason. But we got a lot more going on this season. Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 11. Thanks again to Tony Wiggins for jumping on the show with us, doing that Locked On crossover pod. Croc and I back tomorrow. Thanks for making us your first listen every day right here at Locked On 49ers.